feel the heart of the divine. Envy not the givers in the crowd, earning praise for their generous deeds, for they have received their reward. But for those who give in secret, more shall be given unto them. They shall be called blessed, the true saints. The restorers of streets to dwell in. Welcome. How's everybody doing today? Come on. How's everybody doing today? There it is. Good to see you guys. I want to say hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being part of our services today. Thanks for joining us as we continue talking about Born to Make an Impact. We're so glad you guys are here today. And today I'm really excited about this message because I'm going to unpack how to build something great. All of us have a desire in us to do something more with our lives. And, and how is that possible? It's real simple. God wants us to be a part of a movement, not only in a local church, but also to build something great as a church, but also in your career. Maybe you want to build something great in your family, build something great in your business. And so how do you do that? We're going to take a look at David today because he knew all about building something great because he built Israel back into a prominent nation again into being God's people. And so I want to talk about that today. So pull out your notes if you would. Very excited to have you here today uh, as we talk about this. I heard about there were three construction workers. They were on the 30th floor of this, this building they were working on, and they were all sitting across a beam, and they were just about to have their lunch. And the first construction guy says, oh, man, if my wife packed tuna again, I'm jumping off this building. I can't take it. The second guy says, oh, I totally understand, man. If my wife packed veggie soup again, I'm jumping right off with you. I can't take it anymore. The third guy says, if I have another peanut butter and jelly, I'm right behind all you guys. So the first guy opens up his lunch and it's a tuna fish sandwich. He says, no, not tuna again, and jumps off the building to his doom. The second guy opens his lunch and it's veggie soup again. He says, no, not another veggie soup, jumps off the building as well. The third guy opens his lunch and says, not peanut butter and jelly again, and he jumps off as well. And so now they all jump through the doom. Now there's the first funeral, all three widows are there together, and the first widow says to the second one, right before the funeral starts. She says, if my husband just would have told me he didn't like tuna fish, I would have packed him a different lunch. And the second widow says, I know if my husband would have told me he didn't like veggie soup, I would have packed something different to me. I don't know why they had to jump to their doom. And then looked at the third one. She said, don't look at me. My husband packs his own lunch. <laughs> you know, the reason I want to bring this up is because make sure that you're not leaving a situation when you can change it. Oftentimes we're complaining about our job, when we can change our situation and our job, you don't have to change jobs to make your career better. You, know, you, you don't need to leave your spouse to have a better marriage. Make the, make the marriage you have better. That's how you do that. In other words, like we, in our society today, people keep leaving stuff. And so there's no time to build anything great. But anytime you see something that's built great, you see longevity. You see someone staying for the long haul. And so that's an important aspect. And David was one of these kind of guys. He wasn't in Israel for just a few years. He was there over 40 years. Look at the scripture. It says in 1 Chronicles 29, 
It says, so David's son of Jesse reigned over Israel. He reigned over Israel for 40 years, seven of those in Hebron, 33 in Jerusalem. Check that out. They're multi-site. Look at that right there, right? And so he was in Hebron first, then he was in Jerusalem. And so I think it's interesting too, by the way, that, that he moved around and apparently no one seemed to care. It, it didn't hurt the kingdom at all. It wasn't a big deal. And so, and the reason I want to bring this up is because the, the question that they have to ask themselves is, well, I, I don't see David all the time anymore. Well, church size, I don't see everybody all the time either. It's not about me, it's about the kingdom of God. It's not about David, it's about Israel. And so I bring it up because we have nine campuses that watch me every single week on video. And so, and it's not a big deal. But the moment we drop the screen down here, you people cry and belly ache like I have never heard. It is hilarious to me. I'm like, really? You're like, oh, I don't like that video. Well, there's only nine other campuses watching it every single week. So turn to the person right next to you and say, you're spoiled. Just let them know right now, you're spoiled. It's really true, though, but let me tell you why this is a big deal. I was talking to some mentors of mine, and and I was telling them how many times I preach it. They asked me, they always ask me, older guys have been in ministry longer than me. They say, you know, uh, how many weekends a year do you preach? And I tell them about 45 uh, to 46 weekends a year, and they all look at me like I'm crazy. They're like, what? Like, what? And they literally say, you're nuts. You, you should not be preaching that long. I've had Craig Rochelle tell me this, Ed Young, Rick Warren's told me this. They're all like, you're preaching too much. You're going to lose your voice, first of all. Second of all, your adrenal gland is going to be shot by the time you're 50, and you'll wonder why you have no energy to even get up in the morning. And these are guys that are talking from experience. And they're like, you've got to quit doing that. And so Pastor Craig has told me, he said, you've got to get people used to video. If you don't, you will not last in ministry. So I've got to tell you, I want to be around here 40 years. And the only way that's possible is you got to be okay with occasionally watching a video. Is that okay? Can we do that? You're like, really? Come on. It's okay. But honestly, I was starting to lose my voice last service, and they're prepping the next service for the video. Because, and they were like, you want to play this? I said, no, I'm okay. I'm all right on this one. But next service, I know I can tell already I'm going to lose my voice. I know I am. In fact, it used to be when I was in my 30s when we started this church. I was actually 20-something when I first started. But about five years in, I turned 30, and I used to regularly, those of you who are, who are old school Bay Area that have been here a long time, you probably remember this. At the one o'clock, every single week, I lost my voice. It was like a normal thing for me to lose my voice. Well, that's fine when you're young. You can't do that when you get a little bit older, though. And so, because eventually you lose your voice permanently, or it takes me longer, several days to get it back instead of several hours. I used to be able to take a nap and be able to speak later. Not anymore. And so that's just a reality. So the truth is that longevity requires changing how you do things a little bit. So he says, he died of a ripe old age, having enjoyed long life, wealth, and honor. Then his son Solomon ruled in this place. So the first thing you need to know if you're going to build something great, number one, is nothing great is built without long-term commitment. Nothing great is built without a long-term commitment. And so it, it's a big deal. If you want to build a great business, you got to stay out of the long time. You want to build a great marriage, stay out of the long time. You know, how do you build a great marriage? Keep going home. That'll help. You stay at it for the long haul, right? How do you build great kids? One day at a time, pouring into them, leading them, encouraging them, right? Correcting them when they need it. Stay at it, right? And so the way you build a great family is the same way you build a great business, the same way you build a great ministry. You just stay at it. Did you know that the average pastor stays in church less than three to five years? The window's three to five years now. It's increased to five years. That's sad. Five? That's it? And they're off to some other church somewhere. The, the, the truth is, is you can't build anything great. Pastors ask me, how do you build a great church? I tell them, just stay there. Just don't run off every time it gets hard. 
If it gets difficult, you, you, you can't leave just because, you know, people are mad at you or, or, or get hurt or whatever. You, you can't do that. you got to learn to have staying power. It makes a huge difference. In fact, the reason I want to bring this up, especially I want to talk to my generation and the generation after me. This is a big deal. We look at our parents or grandparents and we think, wow, look at their career. Look at what, look what they were able to build. Look, look at the retirement that they have. When truth, truth be told, most 40-year-olds, most 30-year-olds definitely have virtually nothing saved. And one of the reasons why, it's not only because they're not savers, but it's because they don't stay in a company long enough to have a career going there to where you actually, when people are starting to make good money, they've been in the same spot for 9, 10, 12, 13 years. That's how you increase your income. You stay at the same job for a long time and prove faithful. Does that make sense? And so I want to challenge you not to, not to have this, this resume that looks like a patch quilt. I was there 18 months and then I got mad at this person. So then I was here for 24 months. And I was like, if you're counting in months, you've not been there long enough. Does that make sense? So I want to challenge you to learn to stay faithful in one place. Man, it got quiet in here. I'll tell you what, people don't like talking about this because you know why? Because you're like, I can't stay at my job anymore because I got this person, they're so difficult. Here's the problem with that. The new job you get to get away from Mr. Difficult, there's someone difficult at the new job too. Because here's the problem with all of our jobs. Everywhere you go, there's people. <laughs> and so you're going to have this. You, you, you can't do that. If you want to build something great, You've got to have staying power. You've got to have a long-term commitment. If you'll do that, it's amazing what you can do. There was a missionary named David Livingstone. He got a letter one day. He's, he's one of the early pioneers of missionary work around the world. And he got a letter one day from America. And someone said, hey, uh, there's some men who want to come help you. Do you have a road that they can get to you by? And he wrote a letter back that said, if they require a road, don't send them. You're not, you're not ready for doing this work if you require everything to be smooth and easy. And so you, you, you just going to need to go in that it's going to take a long-term commitment. And the only reason you need that is because it's going to be difficult. There's going to be times it's just tough. And you've got to hang in there and just stay faithful anyways. That's how you build something great, a great career, a great mission, a great cause, a great church, whatever it is. You just stay at it and stay at it and stay at it. Please check out this video. My name is Justin, and this is my wife, Brady, and we are the Lutenbachers. We have been coming to church here since uh, 2008, 2009, and uh, we serve Kids Unlimited. I started coming to church with my family at the Kingsville campus in 2008, and Brady and I started attending as a married couple in 2011, and it really transformed our lives in ways we never imagined. The most challenging thing we face on the weekends is getting to church on time. We have different obstacles in the morning. We have a two-year-old daughter, and sometimes we think we're running on time, and then just like today, we had the rain, and something else will catch us off guard. Our daughter has been going to class at Kids Unlimited since she was six, seven weeks old. Um, it was a struggle. The first year was very tough. Uh, we spent probably half our Sundays getting called out, so we understand where the other parents are coming from. Um, and that's actually what led us to serve in Kids Unlimited is because we saw how hard everybody was working towards helping our daughter become accustomed to uh, her new environment. I think through serving as a married couple, we work together a lot better. You think um, raising one child is difficult until you get you know, 10 or 12 in a classroom. You learn to be more patient with each other and you also work as a team in everything that you do. Week after week, we see the smiles on kids' faces and it makes our day, seeing how happy they are, especially if they were a little nervous about coming in at first and then towards the end of their church stay, they're excited and they get excited when they see their parents or making friendships with other kids. If you're on the fence about serving, I would just tell you to go on and give it a shot. I look at everything in life as what's the worst that can happen. Um, I really think that you'll develop a lot of friendships, make a lot of friends, and there's just so much to benefit from it and you'll leave every Sunday 
feeling like you've done something just a little bit more. You can make a difference, you know. I love the Lutenbachers' faithfulness that so they said, hey, let's serve together. Let's do this together, not, not just one or the other. You know, Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. And the reason why is because when you have that relationship with someone else, when you go to do ministry together, then if you hit a rough spot, you've got someone to lean on. They're there for you. So it's great to do it with someone else. I recommend that. This is why I think it's great for couples to do this together. And so it's great if you're married. I encourage you to go sign up to serve together. If you're dating someone, seriously, I recommend you go serve together. It's a great way uh, to just to have something you do together to make an impact. And even if you're single, you say, well, I don't have anybody you know, you know, that I'm dating or seeing or anything. That's okay. Just start serving as a single person. You have no idea how many single people we have serving in our church. In fact, how many people do we have serving overall right now? Well, we have thousands of people serving, but get, check this out. In this summer already, where you have 1,683 people signed up to serve. Give it up for those who signed up for serve. How great is that? That's a lot of people, right? It's exciting. But I believe we're going to break 2,000. I really do. I think we can do that, guys. Come on, church. We can do it. We can break 2,000 across all of our churches. And so we have 1,683 people signed up right now. 985, almost 1,000 have gone through the training and background check. 300 are serving, but that's still too large of a drop-off. We believe we can get, you know, 2,000 people signed up, 1,500 people trained, and 1,000 people serving. How amazing would that be, right? I encourage you to do that. And by the way, if you are single, my, my, my sister was single, started serving, and she met the studly Navy guy who, who, who the Navy brought here. They both fell in love and got married. So there's a lot. That's not the only story I've heard like that. A lot of singles start serving here and meet some really awesome person and fall in love. And so that happens all the time. You can always tell the singles who are serving too because they're like at the door greeting and they're like, hi, here's your bulletin. If there's any way I can help you, let me know. I'm like, awkward. So I encourage you to serve. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you, if I was single, which I'm far from that, but if I was single, I will tell you that I would only date someone who is serving in their local church because if they won't serve in God's house, they won't serve in your house. So you want to make sure you see some heart coming out there. You know what I'm saying? That's a big deal. So I encourage you to, to get involved. In fact, you can sign up right now. If you'll take your bulletin right now, whatever church you're at right now, all of our churches, pull out your bulletin, I don't see anybody moving. Pull out your bulletin. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Pull out your bulletin. And on the right-hand side of your bulletin, thank you, you can tear off that card, and on the bottom half of the card, check off several areas to sign up. So you say, I only want to do this area. Please give us more than one, because some of the areas are starting to fill up. We still have room, but please sign up for multiple ministries so we can make sure you land in one of them, okay? And so we'd love for you to do that. You can drop that card in the offering bucket as it's passed at the end of our service. We'd love to have you sign up to serve, and so and it takes not just commitment, but long term commitment. So let's see, let's, let's go back to the beginning of David's career. When he first started out in the army, he wasn't even in the army. He showed up, right? We know the story. I don't need to go into too much detail, but he showed up to see his brothers. Dad wanted to check on them. He wasn't even in the army. He saw that the brothers weren't even fighting. They were all hiding from this guy named Goliath. David got so impassioned. He said, someone's got to take this guy out. He's defying the army of the living God. And so, of course, he does that. Look at the scripture. First Samuel 17. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. David was savage. I mean, he wasn't messing around. This guy, he's psycho, man. Like, Conor McGregor, scoot over, man. This guy's nuts. 
And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Of course, we know the story that he actually did kill Goliath, and he went on to many, many victories. And so this is important, though. Number two, to build anything great for God will require you to be a fighter. It'll require you to be a fighter. You got to learn it. You got to fight for what you believe in. And I will tell you that anything worth building is worth fighting for. You got to fight for that business if you want it to grow. You got to fight for your ministry to, to continue growing and reaching people and changing lives. You, you know, you, you got to fight for your family. You got to get in there and make sure that you're influencing your kids more than their peers are influencing them, right? And so you got you to fight for what you care for. And so you got to become a fighter. Now, let me clarify something about becoming a fighter, though. Be careful that you're not fighting the wrong person you got to fight the enemy and not the people who are actually on your team. There's a true story uh, in the early 1900s of, of, a, of an English Navy ship that began to get attacked, and they began to attack back, and they fought all night long. There were giant holes in each other's ships, and there was lots of injuries until the light came up. The next, the next morning, the sun came out. They both, were all, they both had the same flag up. They were fighting not the enemy. They were fighting each other. It's crazy. There's a true story in the 1800s of a guy named Lord Nelson, who was a famous uh, Navy general, and uh, he was on a ship, and uh, he heard that his admiral and a captain were fighting with each other constantly, so he, he, he ordered them both to come out to the front of the ship to meet him. He got to the very front of the ship, and he said, stand there and look at each other, now hold hands. They were like, what? He said, hold hands. And they did, because he's the general, you have to do it. And he said, now look at each other, now look beyond each other, over each other's shoulders, because that's where your enemy is. The person in front of you is not your enemy. Look beyond them. There's where the enemy is. We forget who the enemy is. And the reason I want to bring this up is because David understood that when you're a fighter, you got to make sure you have the right fight. You don't fight against your own men. You, you, you fight against the enemy. There's enough battles going on. That, you know, don't fight with your spouse. Fight alongside your spouse. You see what I'm saying? Don't fight with your team members. Fight alongside your team members. And so they're on your team. Stan Makita was a professional hockey star, and uh, his, his daughter was at one of his games one time. She was a little eight-year-old, and, you know, out of the mouth of a little kid sometimes comes truth, right? And so he was always getting in fights. He was famous for it. And one day after the game, his daughter said, Daddy, I noticed that you don't ever get any goals when you're, when you're in the penalty box. It really hit him, and he thought, golly, she's right. Because of my temper, because of my anger, because some guy takes a cheap shot, I go take a cheap shot back. Now I'm in the penalty box, and, and when I'm in the penalty box, I can't make the goal happen. And so the truth is, is if you're so busy fighting each other, how are you going to accomplish your goals? So you got to stay focused on what matters. Make sure you're in the right fight. By the way, I just want to mention this real quick. Next week, be sure to be here. I'm talking about the vision, not only for the church, but for you individually. In fact, I want to challenge you. If you're lost trying to figure out what your purpose is, what God has called you to, you're just like, I feel like I'm just kind of having sideways years, not really going anywhere. Next week is for you. You do not want to miss it. We're sharing the vision. In fact, I'm going to share the vision for the church next week as well. And frankly, I did not create this vision. It scares me to death. I don't know how it's even possible. That's why I know God's in it, because it's bigger than I can do. It's going to be the Lord. So don't miss next week's message as we talk about the vision for the church, but also the vision for you personally as well. So don't miss that next week. I want to show you something else, though. Speaking of fighting the right fight, look, look at David in First Chronicles 12. This is when he's starting to really build momentum, and he's starting to build this great army. It says, others from Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold. David went out to meet them and said, if you have come in peace to help me, we are friends. But if you have come to betray me to my enemies when I am innocent, then may the God of our ancestors see it and punish you. Wow. He's not messing around. He's like, either you're for me or you're against me. Which one is it? 
Like basically, don't waste my time. Either be on my team and be loyal or get out of here. Don't waste my time. I love that. Jesus was a lot like that too, by the way. Did you know when he was betrayed by Judas, he talked to Judas directly about it. Sat down at dinner. Hey guys, when are you guys going to betray me? He got real quiet and awkward in that moment, right? I'm sure Jesus could clear a table. We know he could clear a temple. He pulled that off a couple times. But he's sitting there and he says, when are you guys going to betray me? And then Judas reaches for a drink. And he says, or reaches for some, some crackers. And as soon as he puts his mouth, he says, the guy who just ate. He's like, uh, what? He's like, yeah, you're going to betray me. So Judas just hurried up. I know what you're going to do. Wow, he called him out. Don't be, if you're going to build something great, don't be afraid to call people out. You got to be willing to do it because the vision is more important. And so, but he was willing to do that. But look at verse 18. It says, Then the Spirit came upon Amasai and the leader of the 30, and he said, We are yours, David. We are on your side, son of Jesse. Peace and prosperity be with you, and success to all who help you, for your God is the one who helps you. So David let them join in, join him, and he made them officers over his troops. Never, listen, if you're on the business, this is going to really help you. Never elevate someone purely upon talent, ever. You elevate them with talent and loyalty. If they're not loyal, do not increase their influence. It's a big deal. Trust me, it'll hurt you if you do that. And so you want to make sure that people are loyal. And the best way to test the loyalty is real simple. Just watch how when one of their friends turns on you, who do they trust? If they're not willing to break camp and say, hey, man, I don't agree with that. I'm staying. I'm sticking with this. Watch it. Be very careful about the person who's your buddy and also buddies with your enemy. And your buddy, oh, no, it's cool. We're cool. No, we're not. It doesn't work like that. Does that make sense? So be very careful. Loyalty matters in families. Loyalty matters in, in church. Loyalty matters in, in ministry. Loyalty matters in business. We'll be really, really careful with that. You can have all the non-competes you want, but if they're not loyal, it doesn't matter. And so you want to make sure people are loyal. My own kids will test this, especially when they're younger. They don't really do it much anymore, but when they're younger, you know, well, Dad, I don't like what mom does this and this and that, thinking I'm going to be like a, a willing ear to hear them talk about mom. Or they go to mom, we don't like it when dad does this or that. And they learn pretty quick. When you talk to dad, you're talking to mom. When you talk to mom, you're talking to dad. So if they say that, I go, don't talk about your mom like that. I'm like, uh-uh, no, we're one. In fact, we're so much one, that's how you got here. Our oneness made you. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. I think my kid's in the audience right now. I think it threw up in their mouth just a little bit, but that's all right. <laughs> the point is, is that you have to be one. If you're not cool with my wife, you're not cool with me. This is bottom line. We're not going to be friends if you're not friends with her. Does that make sense? And so you, you have to be all in. And so loyalty demands that. And so I just want to encourage you, number three, to build anything great requires loyalty. It really does. Let me just tell you something about disloyal people too. If they will come to you and talk to you about someone else, they'll go to someone else and talk about you. Can I get a witness? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yes, it happens. So be very careful. And let me just mention this too. If someone cannot control their emotions, one of the best ways to see this is just see what people post online. If they're going off on someone, next time you're on Facebook and, and you see someone's going off on something, just, just calling someone out. And they're just, go, I mean, they're just ripping into someone. Oh, this person's horrible and this and that. Ask this question when you see whoever posted it. Ask yourself this question. Are they successful? The answer is always no. Because you can't stay in anything long enough and be disloyal to become successful in anything. Disloyal people live broken lives. Broken marriages, broken relationships, broken careers. They never stay in any place because they get ticked off at this boss or that boss. People don't quit jobs. They quit bosses. So we have to learn to be loyal 
to one another. This goes both ways. David was loyal to his men. His men were loyal to him. That's how you build a great army. That's how they, they built Israel. And David didn't mess around when it comes to this. But if you can't control your emotions online, how in the world are you going to build a career? You can't keep your mouth shut when you're mad at your boss, when you're ticked off at a coworker, when you're mad at your spouse. You don't just say everything you think, do you? Please do not do that. That will not go well, right? And so you, you, you got to understand, you got to learn to control your emotions. This is a big deal. Let me tell you something. God will not bless you if every time he brings people to you, you don't take care of them. If, if you're rude to people, if, you treat, if, you, if you're short with people, short temper, if, you, if you're popping off all the time, I just told them like it is. People like that don't have much. I'm just telling you the truth. And so I, I'm trying, you too, I mean, it's kind of harsh, Pastor. I'm trying to help you build something great. And you do that by being loyal. Does that make sense? And so, listen, you may have a boss, you don't know what my boss did to me. I know, everyone has a story like that. Everyone does, okay? But this is important. This is one thing God taught me. You know how I've been able to be in the same church for 19 years? Here's the key. I pray this prayer. God, make me unoffendable. You cannot offend me. It is not possible. I will not stay. You may hurt my feelings. I will not stay offended at you. You know why? Because the vision and the ministry is worth more than me being mad at somebody. you got to become unoffendable. That's how you stay someplace a long time. And if you will choose to do that, listen, you know why people divorce? They get offended and they stay offended. Everyone gets offended, but you, if you stay offended, you're going to end up fracturing your marriage. If you stay offended at work, you're going to get offended because you're working alongside people. But if you stay offended, you'll leave that job. If you stay offended, you'll leave church. Church after church after church, there'll never be one good enough. Why? Because there's people involved. And so I'm just telling you now, you cannot stay offended. Don't get bitter, get better. Just make a decision, say, I'm just not going to stay offended. I'm not going to do that. And so if you'll do that, you can outlast your critics too, by the way, if you'll do that. A lot of people that, that are on top of what, whatever they do, they got there just by staying there for a long time. Had a privilege years ago to have dinner with the guy who was the, the, the what was it called? He's head of Disney Worldwide Operations, right underneath the CEO. And I said, why aren't you the CEO? I said, do you want that job? He said, no way. That's the political job. I don't want that. He said, I've been offered a multiple times. I never take it. They, you know, Michael, I, Michael Eisner, you know, Bob Iger, whoever he's, I'll let those guys get it because then they get, they get the big money and then they get fired, you know, five years later because the stock goes down. He said, I've been here. And I said, how did you get to be over all of Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Hong Kong, Disney Paris? I mean, all of them. He is the guy. So how many people under you? He says, I have 55,000 employees underneath me. How'd you do that? I'm thinking, Harvard grad. I'm thinking, nope. Went to a local community college in Orlando and started working a cash register selling ice cream in, in the Magic Kingdom at age 19. And he was probably 60. He's like, I just stayed here. Did what I was told. Stayed loyal. Stayed at it. That's how you do that. It's not that complicated. You just have to have staying power. You just got to hang in there. And if you'll do that, it's incredible what God can do through you. You can be a big shot. A big shot's just a little shot that kept shooting. Just stay at it. If you stay out long enough, you can do amazing things. Or as Malcolm Gladwell says in one of his books, he says, anyone who's an expert in anything has done over 10,000 hours of it. It's brilliant. It's true. Just add up the hours you've done. You know, my son, for the first time, is preaching this weekend up in youth. I'm excited for him. He's like, Dad, how do you do this? I was like, you just keep doing it. That's how you do it. You just, you just keep going. If you just do that, eventually you get okay at it. You get pretty good. You just, just got to keep going. You know, I was horrible at first. 
You just keep doing it. And so whatever is worth it, it's worth just staying at it. But to build anything great, you've got to stay loyal to one another. Last thing I want to share with you. This is David's final statement, if you will, to Israel. He's an old man now. So we've seen the beginning of his career. He became a fighter, won a real key battle, right? Married into the family, that whole thing. Then eventually, you know, he, he takes over the kingdom through a lot of series of circumstances. People are disloyal to him like crazy. By the way, I tried to do the math on how many people are disloyal to David. It's incalculable how many people were disloyal to David. Armies were disloyal to David. I'm talking about armies in Israel. I'm not talking about outside Israel. I'm talking about half of Israel was trying to kill him at one point. And when he had the opportunity to kill the guy trying to kill him, he didn't do it. Why? He said, you're still the king. I'm going to be loyal to you. He showed loyalty to someone who didn't deserve it because he showed loyalty to God. Incredible. No wonder God could use him so greatly. He was unoffendable. He was also pretty slippery, hard to catch. That helped. But check this out. His last statement, he says this. Then the king turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen to be the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. And now because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasuries uh, treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord? So David, he's an old man, and he gives everything he has to build this temple. Which then you think, well, that seems unrealistic. Guys, I'll tell you, that's actually how it works. You know, I mean, if you look at this church, you know, this, this place has been built off people who gave everything. I, I, I don't even know how many times, and I'm not bragging, because other people have done this that aren't even on staff here. I can't even count the amount, amount of times I've, I just quit even having the IRA because I just kept turning it back over to churches, giving it back over. I just repeatedly, I was just like, yeah, drain it, and you just go to the church. That's more important. And, and that's what's built this place is people, not just me, hundreds, thousands of people have repeatedly given to God's house. That's how you build something great. And so every resource at our command, Lord, it's yours, whatever you need. Here's David, about 80 years old, and he's going all in again. Why, why retire when you can reenlist? So he says, yeah, everything I saved. Here, Lord, cheers. Now, I'm not trying to say to be foolish. I'm sure David did just fine after that, too. I mean, he's a wealthy guy. I understand that. But he still gave sacrificially. It's not about our comfort. It's about building something great. Number four, never stop building. Never stop building. You ever notice that guys, especially men, seem to fall morally when they're on top? You ever notice that? Like, why is it that this guy had a successful career, he's doing really well, and then he goes into politics, he's doing really good. And, and, he, and he, he doesn't cheat on his wife until he becomes a senator. Like, really, dude, is that really <laughs> the best time to do that? Like, I mean, they're already all after you because, you know, whatever party you're in, the other party's trying to find dirt on you anyways. Like, it's not really smart. First of all, it hurts your family, hurts your wife, hurts your reputation, destroys your career. Why, why do they fall when they're on top? I, I think I can explain this. Because when you climb a ladder and you get to the top and you quit climbing, you let go with your hands and you're just goofing off, that's how you fall. But no one ever falls off a ladder while they're still climbing. It's when you quit climbing that you fall. Be very careful if you become successful, whatever it is you do, that you don't get bored. Because when you get bored is when you make a mistake. Replace boredom with building. Begin to build something again. Build something great. Whether it's expanding your career further, expanding your business further, expanding 
I don't know, your real estate holdings, expanding your family, expanding your influence. I don't know what it would be for you, but always be building. We're always building here. We're building a church in San Antonio right now. We're, we're, we're about to close on land in about a week here, and we're going to start building a building. We're not going to stop. And it's going to take a lot of money. It's going to take $10 million, by the way, to build it. You go, $10 million, that's crazy. We've done that before. We have a $7.5 million building off Rodfield that we, that we built, right? So, man, that costs a lot of money. You know, are we going to have to go in more debt? Probably. Somewhere. I don't really like that, but, I mean, it depends on what's brought in. I, I do have some good news about the $10 million. We have it. How cool is that? We have the $10 million to build it. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Unfortunately, it's still in your pocket, so we just need you to transfer it. So anyways, but my point is this. God always provides. The currency is not money. The currency is faith. Have the faith to keep going. Have the faith to keep expanding. Don't quit building. That's how you build something spectacular in your life. Don't get bored. Start building again. And by the way, what happens is if we first get bored, then we get distracted, then we get resentful when we see someone else going further than us. Well, I can't believe their business is getting bigger than ours or their career is going further than mine. I can't believe you, you know, it's not that they're better than you. Don't get bitter. Don't get angry. They just kept building while you stopped. I mean, how does someone have their master's degree when you have your, your undergraduate? They just went to class a couple more years than you did. How does someone have a PhD? They just went to class a couple more years than their master's. I mean, it's not necessarily that they're much smarter. They just kept going to class. And so you just keep building. Just, they just kept building their education a little further than most people. That's, that's how you do that. You can get your master's and have bad grades. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I'm proof of that. Anyways, <laughs> you can keep going. You, you just keep going anyways. My, my point is, is that what are you building with your life? And David's proof that you're never too young to start and you're never too old to keep going. In fact, can I tell you something? Normally, within a two-year window, someone truly retiring and shutting down is when they die. Did you know that? When you quit building, you're endangering your health. What are you going to build? We were meant for purpose, guys. We were built and designed to do great things. Why retire when you can re-enlist? Do something great for God. Build something that matters. That's what we're doing here as a church. We're building something that matters. I hate to break it to you. You're stuck with me. I'm planning on pastoring this place till I die. <laughs> That's the plan. And we're going to make some changes to make that possible. I'm not going to lie. I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm, I've always been just totally open with you guys. And it's one of the things I said earlier on, we're going to show some more videos here. Why? Because my voice and, and, my, and my lifestyle, my physical, I can't, I can't keep up with, with preaching every single service. It's not even realistic. So we're going to make some changes, but you're going to see me most of the time. But I will just tell you this, faithfulness requires a long-term commitment. It's incredible how we overshoot what we can do in the short run, but we way undershoot what we can do in the long run. If you'll just devote your life to something, you can do amazing things. You really can. It's scary what your potential really is when you commit to building something great. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would we take a moment to pray across all of our churches right now? I want to encourage you today in the same way that God wants us to build something great. Maybe for you today, maybe God's speaking to you about saying, hey, it's time to be loyal. It's time to not get so offended. Because if you stay offended, you'll leave that marriage. If you stay offended, you'll leave that job. If you stay offended, you'll leave that church. If you stay offended, you'll never be committed to anything long term. Maybe today it's time to say something that you're scared to say that you don't even know if you have the power to say. 
Maybe it's time to say, Lord, I don't even know if I can do this, but I just ask you to help me. Give me your power to forgive this person. He said, Pastor, I can't do it. Well, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we have God's power. Through him, we can forgive others. Maybe that's your prayer today is to say, Lord, I forgive this person. I don't want to walk around offended. It's stopping me from my future. Maybe your prayer today is to say, God, I haven't been a fighter. I've just been kind of rolling over and letting the enemy just win. And I'm not fighting for my marriage. I'm not fighting for my kids. I'm not fighting for the heart of my children. I'm not fighting for the ministry I believe in. I'm not fighting for the career, the business, the things I want. Become a fighter. Just make sure you're fighting the right thing. What is God speaking to you about today? Maybe he's just saying, don't quit. Maybe God brought you here today just so he could say to you, don't you dare quit. I gave you the thing you're complaining about you used to call a blessing. So don't quit. God didn't quit on you. Don't quit on him. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe your prayer today is that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can receive him right now. It's not complicated. It's very simple. You don't have to become religious or join this church to become a Christian. To become a Christian literally means to be a little Christ. It means to be a follower of Christ. Jesus died for your sins and mine on the cross. Then he rose again, proving that he's God. He paid the price for our sins, and he rose again, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you and me to individually receive him. You can receive Christ right now by praying this very simple prayer. Would you pray this with me across all of our churches right now? You can just say this with me. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Ain't God good? His word is so true.